0: So, the starters were um, uh, yams, few yams, because <laughs> they ran out of yams at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, so, of course, uh, but, uh, uh, and cassava. And so the, I picked the yams as a starter because of the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. And so that was the piece. Uh, um, and the candles really, we have candles on the table. To symbolize the fire. Yeah. Mm. And I will try not, not to start one yes. here. No, we won't. I will try not to start one here. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, we uh, did uh, the main dishes, um, which was uh, red red stew with uh, black-eyed peas, mm. So oh, collard yes. greens, which I thought kind of came to the U.S., yes, sort that's of right. like the mm-hmm. sort of connection to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a little bit of corn and um, sort of uh, nuts, um, peanuts mm-hmm. in it. So it was kind of... Um, and then we had chicken, uh, which is another stew. Uh, so it was made with tomatoes and uh, onions and ginger and garlic. No hot peppers because, <laughs> uh, but uh, traditionally Minnesota. Ghanaian food uh, seems to have a lot of hot peppers in it, mm. uh, but we had sides of uh, hot pepper chutneys. Which were very, very hot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. some and ended up with right? the mic. Yes. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. And then uh, plantains, of course. Yes. Uh, And jollof rice. And jollof rice. And the fufu. Yes. uh, I did not start the jollof rice wars (laughs) (laughs) uh, between Ghana and Nigeria. However, jollof rice wars, they have agreed that uh, it originated from Senegal. Oh. Oh.
1: where four academics of color sit around and discuss great books. Each episode will feature a free-flowing conversation about one book that leads us to a broader conversation about race, culture, politics, all the things that keep us gabbing when we're hanging out in coffee shops or tea houses or friends' homes, and more of that in a second. Uh, but I'm Anita Ciccutor, the host for the show, and
2: I teach in the Educational Studies Department at Carleton College. I'm Adriana Estill. I also teach at Carleton College in English and American Studies.
3: I'm Todd Lawrence, I teach at the University of St. Thomas in the English department and I teach African-American Literature, Cultural Studies and Folklore.
4: I'm Crystal Milton, I teach African-American History at Macalester College. And we have a special guest
1: sitting in with us, do you want to introduce yourself? (laughs) Sure, I'm Nasreen Mohamed and
0: I work at the University of Minnesota as uh, the Student Engagement Director.
1: Awesome. Awesome! So we're super excited to be recording today at this episode at the home of Nizreen, who has graciously opened his home to us and more importantly and more joyously Made us some really amazing food. It was awesome. <laughs> yes. That we all yes. just ate. Um, yes. So we, we were, are all so full. <laughs> we're all so full. Um, and we got the itis
3: we, right. Crystal? <laughs> I, we got the itis. Whatever we say
1: after <laughs> this point, you, you know, we have, we've had some free flowing wine <laughs> along with free flowing conversation. <laughs> it will be great. We
3: cannot be held responsible. We cannot for be held responsible <laughs> for our, you know what
1: we have to say. But uh, partly why we had some delicious food that is sort of of Canadian origin is because in this episode, we're discussing Yaa ya- ya- Jazzy's novel, Homegoing. This is Jazzy's first novel. What? <laughs> so impressive. <That's> amazing. <laughs> so she was born in Ghana and raised in Huntsville, Alabama, just like Marjorie in the novel. Hmm. The book has received the Penn Hemingway Award and the National Book Critics Circle John Leonard Award. So, spoiler alert, as always, before we dig in, just a reminder that when we discuss our books, we will talk about everything. So, as you may know, we do call ourselves the All Spoilers Collective. So, consider this your perpetual, universal, all encompassing spoiler alert. In other words, we're all about spoilers and not about summaries. No summary. Mm -mm. No no
4: summary. So,
1: um, as a way to just jump in, I thought that we could maybe, since we've been talking a lot about sort of genres and structures, maybe start by talking a little bit about the structure of the novel, right? So the fact that each chapter tells the story of a different character. So there's four different, uh, 14 different characters and 14 different chapters. And it kind of goes back and forth between Athea's ancestry and Essie's family. Um, So for the first time I read the novel, I feel like I kind of blazed right through. I was like really compelled by the plot and the characters. And I was like, what's going to happen? And I feel like this time, I try to spend a little bit more time trying to trace through some of those connections and trying to think through, because a lot of the characters do show up in like multiple oh. chapters in different kinds of ways, either as memories or you know, in actual ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the stories are so rich because they're kind of connected in those ways. So I don't know if um, anybody else had some ideas about like, the structure and sort of what it means for a novel to be set up this way.
3: Can I? So you said this is a novel. Why is it a novel and oh. not a collection of linked stories? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. Good question. Does I mean, it say it's a novel? It says it's a novel. Well, <laughs> it's I'm a novel saying, because like, it says so.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's a it's a yeah. sort of like a, a, a sort of complicated, larger question about genre. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I, I actually do think it's a novel. <clears throat> and I think that it, genre is, our categories are categories that bleed, right? So right. there there's permeability. So, um, it, you know, is it a novel? If you have a collection of stories, is it? Do you call it a novel if one of the characters from one of the, st- the other stories is mentioned in a different story? I mean, what is what's the threshold? So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think this yeah, is a novel because you have so much kind of like overlap, and yeah. obviously every one of the characters is connected to each other, mm-hmm. um, and they talk about each other, their memories of each other, their histories mm-hmm. are intertwined, all those sorts of things. And in some ways, they communicate with each other through across different stories.
2: But I, I like your question as a way to think about it, in what ways is this a complicated novel to read, right? One that defies the kinds of expectations we have from novels. Hmm. And I think part of that is about the move, like these 14 different characters. But it's not just 14 different characters. It's uh, a transtemporal, it's trans Right, it moves us persistently, kind of, you know, in this future direction, um, and it leaves off the stories in a lot of the chapters without like any kind of closure. Mm-hmm. Right, we're not getting closure on most of the characters' lives. Actually, I think I can say definitively, we, we don't get closure on any of the characters' right. lives, really, mm-hmm. except sort occasionally of. through the future yes. people talking yes. about yes. <clears throat> yeah. But even their understandings of them and memories are yeah. often incomplete.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, like sometimes we know what happened to them, but right. we don't know like what how happened in there their lives. lives. Yeah. Right. right, and
1: I feel like it's interesting because I don't actually think of it as like persistently future oriented, right? Because I think it's actually both, right, future and past. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I like so. That. I think mm-hmm. I think like that's interesting. But I'm going to read a quote that I was going to read later, but I, actually I think it fits kind of Todd what you were saying. That's okay. Um, on page 289, and this is Marcus and he's talking about this idea of like going back to research but he'd been avoiding it and he says originally he'd wanted to focus his work on the convict leasing system that had stolen years off of his great grandpa h's life but the deeper he got into the deeper into the research he got the bigger the project got how could he talk about grandpa great grandpa's h's story without also talking about his grandma willie and the millions of other Mm -hmm. black people who had migrated north fleeing jim crow and if and if he mentioned the great migration he'd have to talk about the cities that took that flock in, he'd have to talk about Harlem. And how could he talk about Harlem without mentioning his father's heroin addiction, the stints in the prison, the criminal record? And if he was gonna talk about heroin Harlem in the 60s, wouldn't he also have to talk about crack everywhere in the 80s? And if he wrote about crack, he would inevitably be writing too about the war on drugs. And if he started talking about the war on drugs, he would be talking about how nearly half of the black men he grew up with were on their way either in or out of what had become the harshest prison system in the world. And if he talked about why his friends from the hood were doing five-year bids for possession of marijuana when nearly all the white people had gone to college with smoked it openly every day, he'd get so angry he'd slam the research book on the table of the beautifully but deadly silent lane reading room of the Green Library of Stanford University. And if he slammed the book down, then everyone in the room would stare, and all they would see is his skin and his anger, and they'd think that they knew something about him, and it would be the same thing that justified putting his great-grandpa age in prison, only it would be different less obvious than it was before. So I was just thinking about this notion of like, Mm -hmm. it's like both expansive and
4: particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. And I think that's what attracted me to this book in the first place, kind of thinking about um, teaching African-American history. And although I'm trained as kind of a a 20th century African-Americanist, and when I teach African-American history, I usually do reconstruction to the present, Mm -hmm. what I have been finding is that, It's really difficult to teach African American history without starting first—not even with slavery, but starting with West Africa, Mm -hmm. Um, because then you know students get this notion that you know the history of people of African descent in this country only begins with enslavement, Mm -hmm. Um, and so how do you uh, tell a narrative um, that that expands beyond that? Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I think about how to teach African-American history, I'm always thinking about um, kind of various genres. So not only thinking about primary sources and secondary sources, but also fiction to help um, kind of bring more stories into the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading, I was attracted to Homegoing because I was really interested in seeing how the author would handle that long expanse of history and how the author would do that through kind of one family story. Um and what do you think? Um, so I was most I was most because I'm not a specialist in West African history, I didn't know whether or not um I didn't feel like I had the capacity to um to say, oh, that's that's true. How the author is narrating, kind of the slave trade, narrating um, kind of the structure of it. I had a sense. I had a sense even before reading this, of kind of you know African culpability in the slave trade and the ways in which uh, various um, West African groups um, were participating in the slave trade. But for tons of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. For religious reasons, for war, um, mm-hmm. just a really expansive um, re- uh, rationale. Um, And so I thought that focusing on that through the complicated lens of one family's involvement was a really smart way to do it because Mm -hmm. then you don't have to, you don't have the problem of having to match everyone's, you know, all of the, you know, the the historical experience, T for T. It is really interesting
2: that it begins, and I think importantly with women, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, both... uh, you know, with this, um, you know, Kabi Ocher, who we don't really get to know, but who is the mother of both Effia and Essie. Mm-hmm. No, Mame is. Mame. Mame. Oh, Mame. Mame. Mame is the dad. Sorry. But, yeah. Clearly, oh, sorry, I'm looking at the very we, wrong We, we, we should have that. made
3: a family tree, like, copies of those, and just had them in yeah, front yeah. of us. I just is have very, my glasses. It is very <laughs> complicated. <laughs> to, yeah. I made another one in my notebook here, so I can yeah. follow... Yeah, so I'm sorry.
2: So mommy, right? Like, but we don't hear from um, mommy. We don't hear from Mame. We we yep. from Efia and Essie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, and then we we then get like different um, both yeah. male and female yeah. characters. Right. But it's fascinating to me that we start with mm-hmm. this maternal lineage mm-hmm. and this bifurcated right one which. You know, you think is going to be um, the kind of like, so Essie is um, Big Man's daughter, right. but like, uh, because she isn't, um, you know, he marries a woman who is not Essie's mom, mm-hmm. she gets dispossessed of a particular kind of like wealth in the house, and that becomes, am I remembering right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Because I would hate to not remember this. Whereas Effia, the one who like, is um left behind by mame, right? Yeah. Like and has this much kind of like more difficult kind of life, mm-hmm. ends up having a really mm-hmm. like like the the wealthier kind of Ghanaian
4: kind of history, right? right? Mm-hmm. But so so mm-hmm. so going Does back that make
2: sense? To,
4: but so thinking more about the fact that this story begins with women and particularly with mame's the fire mm-hmm. and how and then the the impact yeah. of the fire on the family which is a negative one mm-hmm. what yeah. do you think about what the what that is saying about women's thank you uh the, because i know i was going somewhere and the wine <laughs> <you think laughs> right. so, yes. no, i mean like i feel like there's
2: something so um about those first few chapters mm-hmm. that really aims at women's Overall powerlessness within right. particular mm-hmm. systems, familial right. relations, yeah. their yeah. vulnerability yeah. exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that then bifurcates in some really interesting ways depending on who they find that can kind of keep them mm-hmm. and maintain their protection. Yeah. and not even
1: find necessarily yeah. right? right. I mean, I feel like neither of them really had that. Like that's like even more of a yeah. choice than yeah. like yeah. either of them. Yeah, had, right. Mm-hmm. And so,
3: or, yeah. I was thinking two things when you when you were saying that is the um, contrast between this book and um, Roots, for example, which I, I've never actually read the book, but I've seen the, I see the movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's <laughs> well, Tusk. There's a few. There's like a few issues with the book. Right? Anyway, um, but that's that's a, a much more sort of a patrilineal kind of mm-hmm. conception mm-hmm. of a family and the way that the show or the book is structured is through yeah. um, male uh, right. uh, ancestors or descendants. Mm-hmm. And then here, mm-hmm. so you have something very different, but um, it, it, it strikes me that there's this interesting thing about the matrilineage that exists in, or at least as we're, it's represented to us in this book, in West Africa, um, the way that it in some ways gives women power or allows them access to power but also the ways that mm-hmm. men use it to mm-hmm. access power as well. You know, so I'm thinking like partic- specifically of is it Fifi, who um oh,
2: right, though. who
3: says of and I'm totally forgetting which uh it's his his nephew, mm. um, mm-hmm. is it who
2: James Richard Paul? yes
3: yes who, he always says when James is eating with him he says you must serve my son right right first mm-hmm. right and then yeah. um, mm-hmm. he asks him well, yeah. why do you why do you say that I'm not your son. And he tells this whole story about how he doesn't have um, any sisters, and that basically, like his his access Mm to um, to leaving his his wealth and his um, power is through his sisters. And so, I mean, I just think that's kind of interesting how it it, he uses it to access this for himself, right? And it both pushes against and reinforces a kind of. a patriarchal right. society because yeah. it is because it's no not actually
1: matrilineal right? right i feel like is it well, it's, it's matrilineal some, yeah i guess the like line of succession is right. in some ways right okay. those
3: things run matrilineal but yeah. it's not a, it's it's a patriarchal society this right. is why we see all these women in the first part of the book actually all the way through the book Yeah, Um but certainly in the in the african part of the book are being victimized right and left and right and left i mean so yeah. Yeah, Hmm. that's, that's just, I just thought that was interesting.
1: Can I go back to your, like, point about how, like, you feel like, you know, when you're teaching history, like, you have to, you know, you, like, start with West Africa, and I feel like one of the criticisms, at least the way it's taught, and, like, especially K-12 schools, is this sort of narrative of progress, right, so it's like you know, yeah, Africa and enslaved, and then from enslavery to Barack Obama, right? Like, that's really the <laughs> trajectory that's told. Yeah, and and it's actually even in, like, you know, when I was doing this research, it was, like, in an African-American history textbook, right? Like, that was the narrative. But I think I was thinking about, like, maybe why this was sort of interesting is that you also get to – because I think the other thing that happens is, like, okay, so maybe you start in West Africa, but that kind of gets left behind, right? So I think, like, I thought this was interesting in that it sort of moves that – through time as well. So it's not just that it's like, okay, people were there yeah. and then they had this terrible thing happen and they come here and like our history is here. Mm-hmm. But also kind of thinking about that there's mm-hmm. complicated ways in which, right, like the, every society changes right, and then we right. get to sort yeah. of see like both of these societies mm-hmm. changing kind of thinking about the impact. Right. So I think that was, I appreciated that about yeah. the book, I think. And but, mm-hmm. but I was kind of curious about in kind of your point about the persistent future looking. So whether this...
2: How this kind of relates to a progress narrative, mm-hmm. 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 and it gives me a chance to like reframe that a little bit because I, I, I appreciate your point. I think you're absolutely right that in many ways, like this is a novel about the way mm-hmm. in which the past lives within um, yeah. every, each one of us, even as we don't even notice yeah. and yeah. know it. Mm-hmm. So there's something very powerful and. Um, um and beautiful i really like it. it as marcus sees marjorie for the first time mm-hmm. and you know you can like it's a novel where uh you know you can tell that uh, there's a struggle to make sure that like we know that marcus is seeing her like deeply and there's a connection mm-hmm. but also he knows it's not a romantic connection he mm-hmm. knows it's not like a and the description is, like, skirting this kind of, like, how do I talk about it? Like, this deep connection without it being a sexual connection. Because we know they're related. Like, way Yeah.
3: Know. Yeah, it's way...
2: <laughs> it's way... But, 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 no, I but mean, no. look at how I found, she does it. Look at how okay. the narrative works. Yeah. At, I, 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 I found myself...
4: I yeah. think when I first read it... Um, Reading like more kind of romance into other. their into their. You said you like, did or you didn't. I did. Was, you did. Yeah. yeah. No, see,
2: I feel like it's it's in the narrative that Seriously. Marcus is developing this connection, but yeah. he sees it as something very like. Yeah, yeah. This is a two
1: ninety three. So it says months have passed, and Deontay and Keys. Relationship fizzled, leaving only Marcus and Marjorie's friendship. No, as but let's. We gotta
4: go before. Oh, we, we gotta, gotta go, go before. <laughs> gotta. Okay,
1: okay. Because he does say to Deontay, like, he couldn't explain to Deontay that it wasn't about that. Two, 292. I didn't understand what it was about. It's where they, where, they they where they first meet. 291. Lead. 291, right, 292. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Marcus turned his gaze Is that what
4: you're thinking about,
1: Crystal? Yeah. Like the first time he sees her?
4: Right, and so the okay, woman read it, read next it. to her Was the one who caught Marcus's eye She was dark, blue-black They would have called her on playgrounds in Harlem And she was thick with sturdy, large breasts And a wild afro that made her look As though at some point mm-hmm. very li- recently She had been kissed by lightning Come on, man, um, Deontay said, already walking toward the woman. Marcus walked a little bit behind him. He could see Deontay trying to play it cool. The calculator slash, the careful lean. When they got to the woman, Marcus wanted to see which one was the one. You, the woman, and then, you know. It was, not, it was the other woman. Yeah, then, right. right. But the, the part that I was, hmm. it was this description, and uh, when, when um, Marjorie is being, this is not Marjorie,
2: yeah. yeah, on, on the, the next run. page. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah. next page, here it is. Yeah. Page 293.
4: Um, so he's talking about. Oh, never mind. He's talking about Imani there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this was the moment where in their yeah. first meeting, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think I think there is like he's seeing her with the with the hint of attraction. I think. I so. No, I so. think you're right, but I think they.
1: Tr- I they're also right. It in turns that. I think they changes. tried to like. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well,
4: I feel
2: like he sees her as a woman, absolutely mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and like he mentions breasts, and I suppose we could say that that like in some kind of like that that's an indication of attraction. But I think he's also oh. describing her just aesthetically mm-hmm. as like. Mm-hmm. This this kind of powerful symbol for him, hmm. and he she goes back to Harlem for him, right? Like that interesting move of like black blue as they would have called her in, in Harlem. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: actually, I mean, I feel like I read, I see what you're saying, and I feel like you know that line like a couple of pages later to say like oh it's not about that i think he is sort of like trying to mm. it's always good at the idea that like, they are related and therefore right. we might be disturbed by that which i feel like i totally wouldn't have been
3: but they're not know? that <laughs> much related. i know i, I, I agree. agree
2: i totally agree but
3: That's this is been I don't split along
2: i don't think they're worried here in the narrative about us like about them. being weirded out. I oh, think the he... narrative is developing this idea that there's a deep connection between them that is not romantic. Okay. Right. okay it's so, about kinship. Okay, yeah. but before
4: we get to that, there's another sentence On page two ninety two, right before the break, at the mention of her name, Marjorie lifted her head, yeah. the curtain of wild hair parting to reveal a lovely face and a beautiful necklace. <laughs> it's wow, a beautiful necklace. But the necklace is the necklace of the ancestors. Yeah. I know right. what's this. You're
3: right, you're but
1: right, He, you're right. he doesn't know it.
3: He doesn't know it. Yeah, I not right. know it,
1: but I feel like that's a thing. He's, <coughs> like, is, he's feeling it. He's time. Yes. So,
3: but, okay, yes, I I agree. With
1: <laughs> Todd's, like, holding up his hands trying hey. to... It's like, just agree. a memory.
3: <laughs> yeah. But is it... Okay, so, I mean, I guess I just read it as romantic, too. Oh, I mean, okay. I read that... I totally read that the whole way because I guess I was thinking... You know, these uh, family branches split, and then they would come mm. back together through these two. I mean, it That's almost... That's so ev-
2: fascinating to me, you
3: guys. Well, you know, like- in almost every other place in the book where someone, like, where two people see each other, like, usually a man or a woman, where they, like, it's whether it's, the, it's your new house girl or whatever... They end up being married later. Like that, they, that's that's <laughs> it's true. Sometimes it's like
2: a 50-year <laughs> age difference. Yeah, yeah, Like, what? Yeah, yeah. So we love y'all. I, maybe I just, I
3: mean, I'm a person for, uh, for patterns. So maybe I'm just <laughs> falling for the pattern patterns. of this yeah. is where it would go. Yeah.
2: I feel like yeah. um, mm-hmm. the necklace stands there and like, does something mm-hmm. really different in, in this mm-hmm. chapter. And like at the very, very end, of course, Marjorie gives the necklace right. to Marcus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Be- in part because uh, we were talking before the whole before we started taping and before the dinner about like losses, right? Mm-hmm. So that we lose people's entire stories right that's something every chapter like kind of like cuts off and we just don't really get much more mm-hmm. right we also lose one of those black stones so both Efia and Essie get a black stone from Mame and um and Essie loses hers during uh you know when she when she's in the she's castle been, yeah, yeah she's but, been
3: pulled to put on, be put on a boat right
2: so it's, in fact, in the process of, like, being, like, shifted mm-hmm. into slavery. Right. Um, and so Effie's family, like, is the one that has maintained this black stone, this kind of, like, right. historic kind of right. token. Right. Um, and the fact that she then, you know, Marjorie gives it to Marcus at the end, when he's struggling throughout his whole chapter mm-hmm. to put all these pieces of history together, like, mm-hmm. in his family history. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's, a
3: That's pretty I like that.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can I mean,
1: see you, like right. the yeah. next sequel, like the next two lines. That's coming where I together. thought it was going. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I thought. Um, that's exactly what I thought. But your point about how, like, a man and woman come together and, like, that seems, like, inevitable, mm-hmm. it actually made me think about, um, is it Kue? Like, there's uh, mm-hmm. who he's, like, friends with, um, the Ghanaian oh. boy, and there's sort of this. Kudjo. Uh, no, house. no, no, no. It's not Kudjo. Oh, that's James and Kudjo. Um, yeah, oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I've Kudjo. You're right. You're totally right. Um, and I feel like that... Like, I found that really intriguing, and I wish that, like, so- something about that had come back somewhere.
3: Mm-hmm. Like, you I mean, feel like, like it was when just they had, had that like... moment where they were enraptured with each other? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like, I don't they know. Just married instead. He, in which Arizona, which made sense okay. to me. Like, that... Like, I think in the, his, in his story, that yeah. kind of made sense to me. Yeah, but I was yeah. kind of curious about, like, it was just kind of there. Right. And yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I wish that had, like, somehow been
4: yeah. between you know, up well, somewhere. I don't know. I've been... I mean, I, as we've seen... I was discussing kind of the way these... These stories just kind of we get bits and pieces, yeah. and we lose like most of. I, I just think about the way that mirrors African American history, mm-hmm. and the way that mirrors, you know, most most African Americans. That's what they have for their family mm-hmm. history. They have like people here and there, mm-hmm. but after a certain time, you know, you can't trace anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, you can't trace anything legally. It's all through kind of oral histories mm-hmm. and family lore, mm-hmm. um, and how kind of this book is. Is showing you know us that of that very kind of mm. that very tension and heartache when mm-hmm. it when that happens mm-hmm. um, right and some of that
2: is because you know like who has the power you know mm-hmm. after particular battles for example yeah, right. right to write things down or mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, to tell that story um, I I feel like you know like we just lose people along the way Anna Foster gets taken mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. And yeah, we yeah. find H eventually, yeah. but in fact and he the, tells a
3: little, tiny, little bit of two like, about I, yeah, it. Yeah.
2: Right. But I think the rest of the family, mm-hmm. Kojo gets like interestingly enough, even though he's not the one taken, he yeah. gets left behind by the history mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there were that's like right. there so, like you know several other kids. It's like from A no, through G, right, to, right, 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 right. And
1: then there's H. Right. Right. So I read another part of it. Oh yeah. Reminds me about that. So this is Yah who I think was... Did you say who's your favorite character, one of your favorite characters, Adriana? Yeah. Okay. And this is him like teaching to students, and he says... And this is on 226. This is the problem of history. We cannot know that which we are not there to see and hear and experience for ourselves. We must rely upon the words of others. Those who were there in the olden days, they told stories to the children so that the children would know and so that the children could tell their stories to uh, to their children and so on and so on. But now we come upon the problem of conflicting stories. Kojo... Nyark- Nyarko? Uh, says that when the warriors came to his village, their coats were red, but Kwame Adu says they were blue. Whose story do we believe then? We believe the one who has the power. He's the one who gets to write the story. So when you study history, you must always ask yourself, whose story am I missing? Whose voice was suppressed mm-hmm. so that this voice could come forth? Mm-hmm. Once you figure that out, you must find that story too. And from there, you begin to get a clearer yet... Imperfect picture, and mm-hmm. I actually really love that story about it's not just about whose story is missing, but whose stories were suppressed, mm-hmm. yes. so another yes. story could be told. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of thinking about right, so this notion of like, a like he gets at this idea of like if we are passing on history through oral traditions, what does it mean then for that to be cut off in this like right. devastating way, mm-hmm. like in this tragic way, and like and, and at lots of different points, right? Like definitely like Essie's enslavement, but also then Anna being taken away and sort right. of like mm-hmm. that loss, or Kojo sort of having to being taken away because then his parents are recaptured. Um, so just kind of think about that, but also this notion of like, not just conflicting stories, but like suppressed stories. I thought was really I
3: interesting. Think, I mean, th- that is making my head spin because I'm thinking about first, I'm thinking about three things. First, this is not history. But we, you know, we're kind of reading (laughs) crystals getting (laughs) (laughs) involved. But but we, I mean, we're experiencing as a kind of history, right? Right. Um, And the 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 forces that suppress the voices in this book that don't get to be um, heard are, in some ways, you know, like colonialism, it's um, tribal violence, it's uh, slavery, it's the middle passage, it's all these sorts of things. And then patriarchy. Patriarchy, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other interesting thing, and I don't know whether you agree with me on this, but, I mean, there's... So there's all these stories, these linked interlocking stories, but there's also a a narrative structure which implies a kind of um, consciousness above all of these characters, which Mm. is not necessarily the author, but is in the control of the author, right? So there's a way in which the author... Is mm-hmm. determining who gets to speak and who doesn't yes, get to speak, right? right, right? right, right. And, and that's like a kind of interesting. I don't know if it's like a tension or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's making choices. Uh, yeah, it, like she should
1: <laughs> H and not ABCDE. Right, right, <laughs> right.
2: No, I think that's actually really a lovely way to like move outside and think a little bit more about the novel as a structure, right? Mm-hmm. And what she's um working through in terms mm-hmm. of history and its production um mm-hmm. over time and through people and through their mm-hmm. own kind of materiality, right, and their mm-hmm. lives. Um, so there's the proverb that she starts with yeah. uh before the family tree. The family is like the forest. If you are outside it is dense. Mm-hmm. If you are inside you can see that each tree has its own position. And what's fascinating about that though is that once you get inside the forest, you know, once you are like with each tree in its own position it's really hard to see the forest. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so that's what she's given us, right? Like, yeah. she's given mm-hmm. us this, like, amazing kind of, like, the position of the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can kind of sense the forest, but we've lost so many of the forest's mm-hmm. trees.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're
2: right. Like, that is that is authorial shape.
3: Yeah, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, the, how do we understand... The way that the author shapes the text is only to read the text. I mean, we need, the intention is, like, not... We can't access that, right? Right, right, um, right. But she clearly has, as you were saying, I mean, she clearly has things she's trying to get us to understand here. And, um, yeah. and it's about history, and it's about um, the connectedness of family. Mm-hmm. It's about... Um, I mean, there's this thing about survival of trauma and the way that trauma changes us but doesn't always destroy us mm-hmm. you know um, because there's certainly people here who get kind of destroyed by right. trauma yeah. but if I'm thinking about like um who's uh oh man I gotta look at thing. look at the yeah, really oh yeah right there <laughs> okay so, uh, um, so it is uh ok what am I doing oh it's it's yeah so it's it's ya it's Yaz Ya's, ya's <laughs> mother. Asa Asamoa?
1: No, that's the dad. Oh so that's Okua, Okua. So, mm-hmm.
3: excuse me. Yeah. I'm gonna totally I mean I thought I made like another like I said, I made another family tree in my notebook so I wouldn't forget <laughs> all the But it's totally useless. It's totally useless. I have nothing. <laughs> um So, uh, she's the one who basically killed her kids. But she comes, but she's, she comes back, right? And he goes back to see her. She comes up
1: all the way at the end. Right. Right. Right.
3: And and I I think like she, she should be a person who was destroyed by the trauma of her family, but she's Mm. not right. And so there's so much of this book that is about recovery, um, forgiveness -hmm. Reestablishing bonds, right, and bringing things back together. And I'm really—I want to ask you guys a question because I don't know what you guys think. I'm—I'm really um, struggling with the difference between the word "homegoing" and "homecoming."
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Because I mean, we use "homegoing" in African American culture to mean like a funeral, Funeral. Mm -hmm. but a homecoming is a whole different thing. I think there are lots of homecomings in here. I suppose there's lots of home too, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I just wonder what you guys think about calling the book "Homegoing" as opposed to "Homecoming."
1: So, can you just say a little bit more about how "Homecoming" is used? Is it an app- I mean, I know like the popular American. Home- oh, like homecoming, how but... we
3: yeah, like a, yeah. A, a homecoming would be just like a you know like a gathering once a year. Okay. You know, okay. like we have like, you know, first my family's from a, a black town in, in, in uh, Missouri called Pennytown, and our homecoming is first Sunday in April, in August. Okay. Everybody comes, and so it's wherever, like
1: a town or like a residential. Place yeah, well, there's a, yeah, there's only there's a
3: church there, and so okay. on homecoming, everyone comes. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows when it's gonna be. It's every year. Mm-hmm. Whoever comes, comes. Okay. Whoever don't come, don't come. <laughs> you know? Okay. So okay. that's a homecoming, and um, homecoming, which is a gathering a of a family together. Okay. A homegoing would be a funeral. A funeral.
4: Okay. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. I, I didn't know that that, hmm. that was what homegoing meant,
4: either.
3: I don't know if that's what, the way she means it. But no, that's,
4: Yeah. You don't I, think so?
3: I don't How know. How could she
4: not be aware of the... I
3: would right? think she would be.
4: I, would, I mean, especially growing up in Huntsville, Alabama. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, hmm
4: I think she would be aware of
2: hmm. homegoing. I mean, that's a great question, Todd. Like, you can tell because we're all kind of struck down <laughs> a little bit, yeah. right? Trying to figure out what we think. Um... I mean, I think the book, even as it's really future-oriented, right, because family generations moving Mm -hmm. into the future, in order to move family generations into the future, there has to be death, Mm -hmm.
3: right? Mm -hmm.
2: And um, in this case, Mm -hmm. she's also kind of really laid bare. um, that, Like you termed it as survival, and it made me think of the... Term that is used a lot in Native American studies, survivance, comes from oh. Gerald Vizenor. Right, this idea of survival and resistance oh. um, mm. as a kind of
4: mm.
2: total process, yeah. mm-hmm. right? right. Yeah. Um, mm. it, it, because in order to survive, there has to be some kind of movement against whatever forces right. there are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, I want to think about Willie actually as a character, mm-hmm. because she's someone who, like, is so um, right. She 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 was part of this great migration. She comes up to New York. She's got the spouse. They are like totally a couple, right? They seem really good. They have a kid, and because he looks white in Harlem, and because mm-hmm. jobs are hard to find, and because being white accords him greater economic. Mm-hmm freedom okay. and possibility right. he becomes whiter and whiter basically mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. Passes and, exactly. yeah. and so yeah. like her yeah. survivance is in some ways staying black right and staying true to who mm-hmm. she can be but it happens mm-hmm. at a lot of cost for a long time mm-hmm. until that like I, the day that she opens up her voice and sings again mm-hmm. Right and for me, yeah. like I think because you know, like hmm. I love music and I love song, like love that music, that moment really resonates for me as mm-hmm. this powerful moment where she reclaims mm-hmm. a possibility. Yeah,
1: but is it about staying black? Like I don't know. Like I think it's like an interesting well, thing, about, right because I think that's well, getting you know, no choice. Right, and she I feel recognizes. Like that was, like, yeah. the,
3: the scene where she's well, goes walking in yeah. Harlem with, with um, Sunny, Sunny. Sunny. Yeah. and they Carson. walk all yeah. the way down to oh, Manhattan. Yeah and yeah. they see robert yeah. with his other family, family. Yeah. and they yeah. she looks at him and, and he sees her him. and she forgives him yeah. and she yeah, yeah. well i feel like that and was a and i cuz yeah. i think she i'm sorry to yeah. no, you, no, but go ahead. i think she um she she basically says earlier in the chapter that she would have done the same thing mm-hmm. like that she yeah. she there's a freedom in having a choice. And she says something about this to Sonny. Or yes, either that's, about that's what I was going to okay, say, go actually.
1: So this is like when he's older, right? And he's right. like... And so this is his chapter, actually. Mm-hmm. And she says to him, You was always so angry. Even as a child, you was angry. I was used to see you looking at me like you was to kill me. And I didn't know why. It took me a long time to figure out that you were born to a man who could choose his life. But you would never be able to choose yours. And it seemed like you were born knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, absolutely, right? So I think it is like, mm-hmm. like... What are the choices that we have about how to survive and resist around race that are mm-hmm. not available? Right, because in some ways, Robert's choice is also about survival and right. resistance. Right, right, yeah, so I absolutely. Think it's, right. Right.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, those three chapters, H, Willie and Sonny, to me are like mm-hmm. my favorite ones. Actually, but I mean, Marjorie and Marcus, that's really great because it mm-hmm. ends up the book. Yeah. But I really love those three, and I, and I love this thing that happens where you know, like. They're living in H is is living in Pratt City, mm-hmm. which is a place where white people and black people are living together. Right, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why Robert is so light. Like he's he's one of he's he's one of they're they're friends from the time that they're little mm-hmm. little kids, mm-hmm. and then they go north. And there's always this narrative or sort of myth of the Great Migration uh-huh. that going north. Is going to salvation, yeah. right. but so many you know mm-hmm. texts and um, and historical documents and testimonies tell us that going north is not necessarily right. Right. Um, salvation. And my, one of my favorite there's a there's a great um, slave narrative by William Grimes, mm-hmm. um, who escaped from slavery and went north and lived uh, in New Haven, mm-hmm. Connecticut, and became a, like a barber, but he he couldn't ever make it work. Mm-hmm. And um, and in his, at the end of his narrative his slave narrative, he says basically that um, when I die, they should bind the Constitution with the skin off of my back, which is mm. which has stripes on it right from being beaten. And wow. he said that would basically um, illustrate the United States, right. Mm-hmm. And like how powerful is that? such a, a comment about how he couldn't make it, uh, right. In the north, where he was supposed to be a free man. Right. And Harriet Jacobs is like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so I just think, like, when they get to the north and Robert realizes the only way he can really make it right. Right. is to become white. Right. And then there's that horrible, you know, oh, humiliating yeah. scene, right? Yeah.
0: At the and
3: she forgives him that too, mm-hmm. right? So she understands. She understands. Yeah. She understands. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> I'm going home.
1: <laughs> I'm going. No, just <laughs> Not in, maybe in her sense, and not in you know. I think you just cursed me. Is that what happened? You just cursed me? I, I feel like that happened. Right right. You just need a fetish doctor,
3: and... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my other thing is, the reason why I like Sunny's chapter is because... Oh. It's basically Sonny's Blues, yeah. the James Baldwin short story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, and there are some really explicit allusions to it. That's so cool. In the middle of the chapter, um, page 251, I believe. With the
2: stuff with Amani. Yeah, where Amani goes yeah. on and she
3: sings and she has a glass. Yeah. Um, and she, so, I mean, the, the most famous thing in Sonny's Blues is that um, when it's the, in the final scene when Sonny is playing the piano. Um, his brother sends him a glass of milk and scotch, I think, and mm-hmm. it, they put it on top of the piano, mm-hmm. and it and the it's the narrator says the cup trembled like or it, it it's shown like the cup of trembling or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a biblical illusion. And here you have this glass that she has when she's up on stage singing, and then she comes and she sets it right in front of Sonny and leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's the drug addiction, which is a huge yeah. part of Sonny's blues. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna like belabor too much, but. If you read this book and you like that chapter, you should go back and read Sunny's Blues from, by James Baldwin yeah. because it'll even make it come a lot more.
1: Mm. So I don't know if uh, Crystal Adriana had, like, favorite. I know you like Ya Adriana, but I don't know, Crystal, if you had some. But I do find it curious that... The three well, I guess the ones that you liked were rooted in the US, yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of curious mm-hmm. about. Can I say, one? yeah, I'm sorry? I feel no, like I'm just like... curious, and I like, you know, and I don't know. So Crystal re- or other I
3: read this, uh, things, I read but... a review by Isabella Wilkerson that was oh. in the New yeah. York Times, oh, what? Yeah, what? and she basically says that the US part is the weakest part. Huh. And she huh. says, if I can quote her, uh, do Please I have a do. quote? Oh, and, she says. Uh, um, Isabel
1: Wilkerson who wrote The Warmth of Other Suns which right. is about the yeah. Great Migration She
3: says that African Americans are shown as passive boats buffeted by currents mm. rarely do we see the richness of their lives the organized resistance the faith in the face of near hopeless odds the creativity and mm. uh, v- vitality that grow out of hardship mm. huh. and that was her critique of the book no, no, and I, I don't, don't totally
2: agree
1: her. I, don't I think I don't agree in terms of age, right? Like, what I found interesting about right. him was, like, his union organizing. Right. So like really yeah. interesting... And that, you know, and I was like... That was, like, the larger part I was going to make, too, right? Like, she chose some of these characters to be, like, sort of very um, conveniently placed in these, like, moments right. where she could, like, talk about right. some of these big things without, right. like, talking right. about them, right? Kind right. about union organizing and thinking right. about, you know, convict leasing and mm-hmm. thinking about sort of all N-A-A-C-P, these things. NAACP, so, civil rights And the, right. like, right. I thought. Um, but I... I yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I can definitely see that in H's chapter, but I am curious about how people read Willy and Sunny. Um. I,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with it from the beginning, but I can see why it's harder to see the agency, or why the agency might be more veiled. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's start with Ness and Sam, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, um, we have like what I loved about that chapter is, um, you know, with Ness as the narrator, is you have this intense, intense story, right, about, getting you know, being enslaved and hooked up with someone, getting, you know, married to someone who you don't know, who doesn't even speak English yet. Mm -hmm. You barely speak English, right? Although she's now been speaking it for a few years, right? right? So she has greater facility. And is essentially, like... In this kind of weird, you know, having to build intimacy. Right. um, Because it's enforced at the same time that clearly there's something beautiful that starts to come of it. That that was some of the more,
1: yeah. So this is um, 81 to get at that. So they're, I guess, coming together for the first time. Um, And it says... He runs his hands along her scabby back, and she does the same along his. And as they work together, clutching each other, some scars reopen. They're both bleeding now, both bride and groom, in this unholy, holy union. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I have that
2: underlined, too. Mm. Um, and then they make the, the hardest choice, right. right? Which is when they can't all make it to freedom to send, how old is Kojo? A year? A baby. a baby. Yeah. Yeah. A year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I think is really actually incredible about this book is I can imagine a lot of ways in which one would narrate this and there would be no sense of the toll, right? It would just be like the thing that had to be done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this novel both takes account of that toll um, mm-hmm. but also recognizes that propulsion into these choices, mm-hmm. right? So this, this has to happen. Um, but... And Kojo we find later, and we get to see what his life is like, and that helps. Mm -hmm. But we also know, you know, that Ness and Sam died terrible Mm -hmm. deaths. Mm -hmm. As is Anna, in some Mm -hmm. ways, right? Yeah. So, So, Crystal, I don't know.
1: What do you think? I feel like you've, like... I know, I feel like we've talked about when we talked about um, Sing and Buried Sing, right? Like, this, you sort of had talked about... Just what are the kinds of narratives that we're telling? And so there's it sounds par- like there's some parallels. Yeah, I so I feel true. like yeah. Isabel Wilkerson's critique kind of so, sounds
4: somewhat parallel to like, you know, your critique, yeah, your critique of is- singing and burying. right. And, I, and I, for this, this book, I think I was just more curious about um, the African side of the story. Um and I think i a little bit took for granted the mm. US side, particularly because that's the side I already study. So mm-hmm. um as I was reading this and now I've read it two times, but the first time I read it, I didn't feel I, I Isabel Wilkerson's critique, that didn't that didn't that wouldn't have resonated with mm. how I read it the first time. because um, I did have the sense that um this that that yeah, I wasn't trying to kind of provide that 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 the the sense of what Wilkerson was doing in the warmth of other sons, and that book for me was, even as a historian, was almost overwhelming thinking mm-hmm. about the number of stories and that she yeah. n- narrates in that book, and the number of interviews and people. Yeah. Um, that she talks to to create that it's narrative, incredible. right? Okay. And so that was just, wow. Um, and so I wasn't as concerned about, because I knew that in some senses that Yaa was using individual people to represent large kind of swaths of African-American history. And so I think I was just being a little bit forgiving mm-hmm. in terms of her, you know, not trying to capture every bit of the, of the history, mm-hmm. um, but then also me really wanting to kind of or being more curious about the African side
3: mm-hmm. well don't you think I mean to me um, one thing I suspect about Isabella Wilkerson's critique is a kind of unstated assumption that because Yadji Yassi is the daughter of immigrants from Ghana right. that she's going to give more weight or be more Favor. sort of knowledgeable about mm-hmm. about that just story?
1: More about. Yeah, right. And yeah. of
3: course, Isabel having done the work that she's done mm-hmm. and having right. um, and being African American, she's going to want to see more on that side. Right. But I mean, her her mm-hmm. when she basically says. Oh, the Ghanaian or the West African side is more rich and all this. I mean, I bet there's people who, right? like, No, that's yeah. like just right. a sliver, right? right? Like, yeah. So but I the think part it, you don't know is right. always going to be richer, yes, right. That's right? Right. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna recognize right. the what's missing yeah. from yeah. the yeah. part right. that you I know, and exactly. that's exactly. true. But I feel
1: right. like they're just. I think these are, like, the moments when I felt like, you're right. Like, I mean, A, it's not, like, a history book, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, like, The warmth of Other Sons. But there were just these, like, and, you know, and a couple more, but it's, like, moments where she just captures, I feel like, this truth about an experience that maybe isn't, Mm -hmm. like, about historical necessarily. So, like, this is um, Essie, right? And at the end, um, this is, like, the end of Essie's chapter. And she says, Before Essie left, the one called governor looked at her and smiled. It was a kind smile, pitying, yet true. But for the rest of her life, Essie would see a smile on a white face and remember mm. the one the soldier gave her before taking her to his quarters. Yeah. Right. How yes. white ma- meant smiling just meant more evil was coming with the yeah. next wave. Right. Um, and the other like yeah. little passage that stood out to me was Joe looking at his little girl. Um, and it says, Joe looked out and saw the girl's little legs starting to move. A bend at the knee, an upward kick, repeat. Beulah was running. Maybe this is where it started, Joe thought. Maybe it was Beulah was seeing something more clearly on the night she had these dreams. A little black child fighting in her sleep against an opponent she couldn't name come morning because in that light, the opponent just looked like the world around her. Intangible evil, unspeakable unfairness. Mm. Beulah ran in her sleep, ran like she'd stolen something, Mm. when really she had done nothing Mm. other than expect the peace, the clarity that came with dreaming. Mm. Yes, Joe thought. This was where... this was where it started, but when where did it end? Mm-hmm. Right. There's just these like moments yeah. of like this beautiful mm-hmm. writing that mm-hmm. I think just like captured yeah. like this essence and this truth about both like past but also like our present day yeah. reality. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I well, think I was also, like, I think maybe much more forgiving well, <laughs> in that, some ways. I think,
3: you know, we can get... Uh, I, I remember I went to this uh, a slave narrative um, seminar at, at Yale a few years ago, and it was uh, literary scholars and history scholars. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had, like, some, mm-hmm. some conflict mm-hmm. um, based on, like, the historians mm-hmm. were asking about, like, facts, verifiable facts. Like, we were reading, I don't know, we were reading about Fred Douglas or something, and mm-hmm. someone was like, okay, it was the historian said how many um, times do you think that a person could stand to be hit by a whip before they would pass out? And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, and this is my thing. It's like, if you're looking for that kind of truth, right. you're not gonna find that here, and you may not find right. that anywhere, anywhere. Right? right? You may not find that anywhere, and I, I don't mean to, you know, besmirch your, your discipline because I know that you don't. Besmirch that one,
1: <laughs> but also, like, why would you ask that kind of question, <laughs> well, right? Like, what are you trying to get at about like the truth or history, or like, what does that even tell I, you then? I don't,
3: I don't know. And well, that's I, a question
4: I, from someone who never. No. No. No, that's a question from, from, you know, a person or a group of people who, you know, this, the whip is just, you know, a uh, a symbol. An right? artifact. An artifact. Mm-hmm. Well, you and
2: know. where the violence yep. is some right, there's a threshold. Yes. yes. And there's yes. some amount lower where
1: right. it doesn't affect it's like affect okay. You. Yes. Yes. Right.
4: Yes. Right. yes. Because there's it's quantifiable. Able. There's yes.
3: more truth yeah. Yeah. in what the whip does in like Seta in Beloved and the choke cherry tree yes. on her back. Right. Right. Or here with, mm-hmm. um, with Ness. It's mm-hmm. Ness who has these, you know, who can't work in the house. Right. Because yeah. she has scars mm-hmm. that come down the front of her chest mm-hmm. because of the way that she's been whipped. Right. Now, I don't know how many times she got hit, mm-hmm. and that doesn't even matter right. to me. right. Because this description, which is an imaginative thing, mm-hmm. captures the horror and the yeah. trauma mm-hmm. of it all and the mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. it. Um, it it kicks you out mm-hmm. of those places where you right. can have any kind of power or privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: So you're making me think a lot about what, like, we've been talking about things that are lost, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's the black stone or a sense of kind of coherent family mm-hmm. making kinship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like various parts of stories. So like story making gets lost. Um, What about freedom as a concept? Where is it available and where is it not? Is it available anywhere in the novel, really? Or is this part of the compromise um, that we see in this world? I,
3: I think, and this is another reason why I disagree with Isabel Wilkerson's assessment, is I think there are moments of freedom in decisions that people make for themselves yeah mm. so mm. when is again i'm gonna lose names is it who is it that decides he's gonna go and marry um he, oh. he's gonna marry the, the um, woman
1: yeah akua akua yeah and
3: well, who is it is that well right? that's
1: not the one who leaves to go marry the uh, one who
3: wants, who's a big man's son and wants yeah, to go yeah, marry yeah, the want to go be a small man
1: <laughs> Why am I like? That? Yeah. yeah, it's James. James, okay, oh, James. it is James. I'm yeah, sorry. so
3: when James makes that, and then You're he's called unlucky to... after yeah. that. But yeah. when he tells his his daughter that i've never been i'm happy because i didn't have to participate in the crime of our family you know that that unjust uh, Mm -hmm. business of our family so there's that Mm -hmm. i mean i think or even
1: abina leaving to go like have the child at the con you know right to to
3: the missionary um i'm thinking of willie i'm thinking of there are all kinds of marjorie and her poem yeah
4: Yeah. marjorie and her Um, poem oh man
3: yeah, that poem is good too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of that, and I'm thinking of Willie singing too. Mm-hmm. You know, when when, when mm-hmm. Willie, she's she all the way through. She's singing that song, "I Shall Wear a Crown," right? You know, mm-hmm. which is, you know, and so I suppose you could say, well, that's about you know uh, paradise. That's about after you're dead. Um, but it's not. It's right. a kind of assertion. That's right. Right. That's like, it's an mm-hmm. assertion of a right that is yours if you are just. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I? Am that's I right on
2: right. Yeah. And that section that you read I Anina, mean, where Ness and Sam are making love yep. like I feel like that's a choice and it's a, a you know moment of freedom
1: right. or well, even choosing to leave the baby and mm-hmm. like
2: get captured
4: themselves so that
2: the baby could
1: have
4: freedom and I, and I was thinking even when she makes the choice to take the blame for destroying the slave quarters right. knowing that mm-hmm. that's gonna mean punishment for her yeah mm-hmm. but it's she's making a choice to build a connection with, with Sam you know anyway. yeah yeah
3: yeah yep. <sighs> Yeah. Maybe, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I was just—I think this is. A, I mean, I have to admit that you guys know this about me. Like when everybody's saying, "Like this is the greatest thing ever," but, well, I'm like, "It ain't that good." <laughs> You're just a skeptic. We yeah. like that about you. I'm, a, I'm like a crusty old man, <laughs> and I—I uh, I did not read this book. I held off on reading this book because everyone's like, "You gotta read this book. <laughs> it's so good. You gotta read it." And I was like, "It ain't that good," and then. God. Uh, now having read it i'm like uh, sometimes people are right
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that is a fabulous place to end our discussion um so as always sort of i don't know when i started the timer it'll be some amount of time you'll be listening to this it's all good um we will just go around and maybe shout out whatever we happen to be reading right now and uh i can start us off so i just started reading Min Jin Lee's Pachinko, which is a story Mm -hmm. about four generations of family that starts in the early 1900s in Korea when Korea was colonized by Japan. And I think like one of the characters I think moves to Japan. So I think the rest of the story takes place in Japan. But it's honestly a time and a context that I know nothing about. So I'm really looking forward to kind of reading
2: it, not necessarily as history, (laughs) but also
1: like Mm -hmm. historical fiction and so kind of thinking about it.
2: I have piles of books that I'm basically digging through for research. So what I'm reading right now is Jose Esteban Muñoz's Disidentifications, which I'd read bits and parts of for work before, but um, is really enjoyable to go back to now. He died in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, And when he died, it was like a huge um, wave of sadness in Mm -hmm. the entire Latino studies, queer theory, Mm -hmm. queer studies community. Um, He really, like, um, this book... Was that kind of book, right? Where he—it wasn't just um, a book that he wrote to put out his ideas. It built communities, right? So, like, I feel like now in 2018, I'm getting to read Disidentifications in some ways, thinking about like, what did it mean that this book, which is this theory of how queerness is constructed in relationship to and against text at the same time, is. Um, also, helping you know that it builds communities, even as he was talking about disidentification, building identities. Hmm.
3: Yeah. Okay, um, if I'm honest, uh, I'm gonna probably start reading our next book, which is Kizzy Lehman's book, Heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, well, we either, didn't, like,
2: give the preview. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry,
3: I hope I didn't steal your thunder. Um, but uh, either at the same time or right after that, I'm gonna start reading uh, Victor Laval's book, uh, The Changeling. Which I I've
2: been meaning to read that. Is.
3: so I just was teaching um, his book Big Machine, and actually I'm teaching it. I'm doing like, oh, like a grad list. version of a of the black mystery novel class, A grad oh, version and an know. undergraduate version at That's the same good. time. So I'm teaching everything twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so now with my undergraduates, we're we're reading Big Machine right now, and they're really loving it. And and I thought. Uh, I, got, I got to read The Changeling because I intended to read it and I left it on the pile. And it just got pile. some award, I think. Yeah, I think it, I think it just got an award, mm. yeah. So mm. I'm really looking forward to that one, both of those books, actually. So Thanks.
4: Oh, I wish I could read novels with my <laughs> students in class and talk about
3: them. <laughs> you can always come visit my class if you want to. I'm going to do that. You I can, do. The, 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 it's an open invitation. Thank you. Yeah,
4: yeah. Thank and you. so fun, you guys. Yeah. To yeah. <laughs> I'm reading Becoming by Which is Michelle. It's gonna Obama. be our February book. It's gonna be our February book. And so I won't talk about it now, but Becoming. It made me cry already. So Aww. there you go. <laughs> Do
0: you wanna shout out any books you're reading this week? Sure. Read? I'm actually um reading Karyakol by M. G. Vasanji. Hmm. Um so it's a novel, historical novel. It's not a novel actually. It's probably a more of a memoir about South Asians in East Africa, but Hmm. really about uh, South Asians' participation in the slave trade in East Africa, so, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the East African slave trade, and and, I'm from Tanzania, so that's, uh, it's been a book that's been uh, on my shelf for probably over a couple of years, Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to Mm -hmm. read. Mm because it really has, uh, has to do with home, and Kariako is this yeah. neighborhood in Dar es Salaam where, where I grew up, so. Yeah. So I'm hoping uh, some of, uh, you know, East African slave trade was really, uh, there's lots of involvement with British, Germans, yeah. uh, but also uh, the Omanis, the Sultan of Oman, mm-hmm actually um so so Zanzibar, which is an island off Tanzania, was a major slave yes. port um, and the Sultan of Oman actually owned zanzibar wow and so and I just went to my dad grew up in zanzibar mm-hmm. so so it's just kind of sort of like connected and not connected mm-hmm. and sort of sorting out uh mm-hmm. sort of
2: all of these mm-hmm. little pieces um mm-hmm. so just kind Thank of like you. an idea yeah. for a very different sort of book group medium, which would be mm-hmm. like all of us reading the books that were really hard to read because I think yeah. we all have yeah. them, right? The ones yeah. that aren't, it's not that the yes. narrative is necessarily especially complex, mm-hmm. right? Or daunting in that way, but right. just that the subject matters. is
4: yeah. difficult. And, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah.
2: and I think the next book we're going to
1: read might also be pretty difficult yeah. in terms yeah. of what we heard about it. So the next book we're reading is Heavy by... And I won't say his name because I'm going to mess it up and I don't want him to be angry at us. Uh, so that's going to be, be really <laughs> so it's going to come out sometime in late January. And we're also hoping to do a special driplet episode about the movie that's coming out if Beale Street could talk. Obviously, the book by James Baldwin, but the movie's directed by Mary Jenkins. So look for that as well. So between now and January, you have a lot of time. So please read heavy, and then go read and see the movie. If Beale Street could talk, you have a little bit of assignment. And then, (laughs) as we said, we'll be doing Michelle Obama's Becoming in February. So thank you, Nazreen, again for opening your home to us. Thank you. And all of you listening, if you want to open your home to us and feed us, we're totally open to (laughs) that. We will show up. Until then, please listen to us. We're on iTunes. We're on some other stuff. We're
3: on Podbean. We're We're on on the stuff. I'm working on Stitcher. We're going to do some stuff. We're going
1: to do some stuff find us on facebook leave us some comments and thank you all so much for listening bye Bye.
3: you've been listening to the drip this month recorded in our friend Nazri muhammad's kitchen we had an amazing meal of ghanaian and west african food and we all got to go home with the go boxes when we we're done recording it's been a long time since i've been treated that well next month we'll have a new show on kiese layman's memoir heavy and a driplet episode on Barry Jenkins' film adaptation of James Baldwin's novel, If Bill Street Could Talk. And you might have noticed on the in and out of the show that we have some new theme music. Want to give a shout out to Lord Jordan X who made it just for us. We hope you like it. We sure do. See ya!